0: All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, Christmas, St. Patrick's Day, St. Valentine's Day, Ash Wednesday, Lent, Palm Sunday, Easter, Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Our calendar seems to be full of religious and pseudo-religious holidays that honor some event in Jesus' life, or honor some event in Jesus' mother's, Mary, her life, or honor a person declared as a saint by the Catholic Church. What does the Bible have to say about religious celebrations? Are they required or optional or unauthorized being man made traditions? Answers to these questions are just up ahead on today's edition of the Bible Questions
1: Podcast. Welcome to the Bible Questions Podcast, brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm your one of your co-hosts, and with me today, are our other co-host, Brian. How are you doing today, Brian?
1: Oh, well, doing great, Jeff. And uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, we're going to be talking about holidays. And I was just thinking, you know, as a child, I remember holidays, especially this time of year, you get really excited, right? You have like uh, Halloween coming up, obviously Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's Day. So this whole time of the year, I know certainly when I was young, I got real excited about the the holidays and being able to celebrate them.
0: Mm -hmm, Exactly. You know, honestly, you know, some – conscientious Christians have concerns about for instance the nature of Halloween and references to various ghoulish or demonic kinds of figures but yet at the same time you know very few Christians you know have concerns about the religious celebration of Jesus birth on December 25th Uh, and yet they both have some kind of you know religious you know overtones and I think as we'll get into today the, the key question is not what we might like or what might be accepted, generally speaking, or traditional, but it's what the Bible has to say. And that's something we always you know try to emphasize Brian to our, our audience. You know we try very hard to provide a scriptural, you know, quote unquote book chapter and verse to answer you know, all the various religious questions that uh, you know we receive. And that would certainly be true you know, in this subject as, as well. You know, certainly as we go into the scriptures, the scriptures themselves have a lot of warnings about what we do or what we don't do. And the kinds of potential traditions or religious creeds that might pop up. You know, for example, Matthew chapter 15, verse 9, where Jesus is condemning the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines, commandments of men. Uh, Brian, if you would please, why don't you go over to uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 21 through 23, and we'll see how that applies to being careful to do what we do today.
1: Here it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness.
0: right. And so we have even seemingly well-intentioned religious people, you know doing some things quote unquote, in the name of Jesus. And he says, no, not acceptable. You have practiced that for which you have did not have law or commandments or, you know, instructions. Uh, we see a, a similar appeal being made by Paul to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, where he says, and of course, Holy Spirit, when you're writing through Paul, now I plead with you brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Likewise, a couple chapters later, chapter 4, verse 6. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. So, our appeal to our listeners of going back to the scriptures is actually anchored on the scriptures themselves because that's what the scriptures say we should do you know go back to the scriptures stay with the scriptures don't depart from them don't think more highly of what is written or beyond what is written etc and just not rely on what you might perhaps have been taught growing up or the various traditions that your uh, church happens to practices or, or even our feelings Um, And, you know, when it comes to religious holidays, well, that certainly falls under that, you know, canopy as well. Uh, You know, interesting, even the word holiday, holiday, concatenation, perhaps over time, holy day. And so, you know, various events that have a religious significance, like holy days, holidays, or maybe even holidays that don't have a religious significance, but they have what perhaps might be described as a moral component, like getting drunk on New Year's Eve, <laughs> et cetera. So we have to be careful to see what the Bible has to say. So Brian, on the subject of observing days, so to speak, can you
1: read Galatians chapter four, uh, verses eight through 11? Here it says, but then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those who are served those which by nature are not God's. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. So,
0: Paul, in addressing his uh, audience, you know, the... the, the, uh... Christians in Galatia, evidently converted from uh, paganism, serving those by which were not gods. Now they want to like go back and still celebrate somehow these certain days, certain months, certain seasons, etc. Um, and Paul basically says, well, no, that's not what you should be doing. Evidently, and at least by principle, uh, you know, religious events unauthorized by God for Christians to celebrate, you know, man-made traditions, not authorized by God's word. And as we kind of see here in Galatians chapter four, and as we'll see, as we kind of get further into our study today, sometimes we see this odd blending, if you will, of pagan rituals into the context of what might be termed, you know, the various Christendom uh, holy days Uh, and this is a really weird or or, or bad mix of things and certainly we do not want to just assume that God will be pleased with us doing something in the name of religion just because we like it right again that's me relying on our own feelings in addition to relying on church traditions or or what we've always done hey Brian anything you'd like to add before we uh, move on
1: you know, just one thought about, you know, each culture has days that are special to them as a people or a country, for instance. And, you know, some of these holidays, as you mentioned, were considered holy days in their culture, but, you know, they they may have their roots in idolatry or other religious practices that go back many years. And so I do find it interesting, you talked about this blending we see more and more of that today, where there's blending of what used to be maybe religious holidays and into something that's now just kind of secular to most everyone, and they, they place no religious significance. So, we definitely want to ask, and it's cer- certainly worth studying uh, what does the Bible teach about holidays? You know, and, and when, we, when it comes to these blended holidays, is it okay from a spiritual perspective to practice? or recognize a holiday for religious reasons and then also secular at the same time. So anyhow, kind of a combination of questions, Jeff, when it comes to these these, uh, different types of holidays.
0: Well, indeed, and I think you put the emphasis where it belongs. You know, we're talking about religious aspects, spiritual aspects, et cetera. Because, you know, Brian, as you know, and as our audience knows, you know, there's a lot of holidays out there that are just, you know, purely secular right? You know, based on certain events that have transpired within a given nation, for instance, or certain calendar events, like, you know, New Year's Day, right? Here in the United States, you know, Independence Day, and we have Memorial Day, Labor Day, you know, a number of different holidays, right? Just purely secular. They have no, you know, they they didn't originate from a religious context. They don't really have any religious overtones. Uh, There's nothing that would you know, violate the conscience of a Christian to go participate the, in them. Okay, fine. Those are fine. Okay. And, and so we're kind of not talking about those. At the other end of the spectrum, though, there are some that are mostly or just pure religious. A couple that come to my mind, Ash Wednesday, you know, Lent, Palm Sunday, you know, rooted and grounded within quote unquote, you know, Christianity. And then we have some holidays that are this curious blend, as you said, of the two. A mixture, if you will, of religion and secular traditions. For instance, as we'll get into a little bit later on, we'll talk about Christmas. That, you know, blends Jesus's alleged birthday with this concept of getting together and having family dinners and the giving of gifts and having trees with lights and all those kinds of things. Or even more curious, you know, Easter. Uh, that blends, you know, Jesus's resurrection, and since it occurs in the spring, a blending of that with various spring fertility symbols, like rabbits and eggs and things of of that nature. Uh, The other thing we'll kind of add to this is is that there are some holidays that, you know, may have started off purely religious. And as you kind of uh, alluded to, they may have changed or morphed over time into something that arguably is... Hardly religious at all or not religious at all. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, St. Patrick's Day, you know, St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> you know, set up by the Catholics to honor the pat- patron saint, I think, of Ireland, you know, St. Patrick. Well, these days that has just morphed into basically an excuse to get drunk. The Green beer, you know, corned beef and cabbage, you know, luck of the Irish, whatever. And that unless you're practicing Catholic, it really has hardly any religious overtones at all. And of course, would be condemned under the, you know, if you're out there getting drunk, et cetera. There's another one that's even more so, St. Valentine's Day. Again, a Catholic patron saint, at least here in the United States, that has morphed into something that's basically not religious at all.
1: In fact, they've even removed the saint from the name, right?
0: (laughs) Well, exactly. And, you know, it's more about, you know, cards and chocolate and roses and, you know, honoring loved ones, uh, et cetera, with, you know, basically no religious overtones at all. And so, uh, again, we have to be kind of careful of different uh, kinds of holidays and where they came from, et et cetera. And, you know, as we're pointing out, it may have started as a purely religious thing, but now it's morphed into something completely secular. Oh well, okay. If it's completely secular, it'd fall like under you know Independence Day, for instance. Uh, and Brian, you know the other thing I might mention, and then I'll turn it back over to you, is that you know our podcast, you know along with our website, being based on the internet, is accessible by an international audience, and you know we've received questions from people literally around the world, and so we need to acknowledge to our listeners that these kinds of holidays, Holy days, celebrations, you know, there may be cultural variation, you know, between the United States, which is where we're based and where our listeners may be based. Uh, and, and what we observe as religious, you know, our listeners may not at all, or what we observe is mostly secular. Our listeners may be in a culture where it's highly religious, et cetera. So we'll have to kind of keep that in mind. And let me give you one example you know, the last day of October and the first day of November, you know, one good example for countries that I would say are dominated by Catholicism. You may recognize that time of year as All Saints Day or All Hallows Eve. We know it here in the United States as Halloween, which is, again, one of those curious blends of secular traditions you know carving of pumpkins is <laughs> probably a good example added with references to various occult figures like witches demons skeletons vampires etc so it's again depending on your culture uh kind of influences what these holidays are and whether or not we as christians should have anything to do with them from a religious perspective and you know Brian, you know, talking about the Halloween and such is, is probably about as good a place to start, you know, looking at some of these individual holidays, would you say?
1: Yeah, definitely. And Halloween is, is certainly one of those where some, just because of its roots, are not comfortable uh, celebrating it. But uh, certainly, as you touched on, here in the United States, it's very much known as a secular holiday. Now, that's not to say, you know, Satanists or somebody might not celebrate it in some other way, but for the most part... You know, here it's really a child's sort of holiday where they get to go out and go trick or treating and get candy and all of that. And of course, wear costumes. And so, very popular among the youth. Of course, there's a lot of adults that like it too, right, for Halloween parties. But uh, when we look at the origin of Halloween, you know, there was a belief at one time that the souls of the dead were supposed to revisit their homes on this day. And it was also believed that supernatural powers uh, controlled nature on this day. So this is really, you know, a pagan observance. As Jeff touched on, you know, originally there was this religious festival uh, of All Hallows' Eve. And so, you know, these pagan practices influenced that particular uh, holiday that was celebrated on October 31st. And so, you know, Halloween is really the result of blending these pagan and religious days. Now, There was also a belief that, you know, ghosts and witches and black cats and demons of all kinds would be roaming about on October 31st. And that's why we see kids going around and adults, I guess you could say, too, that are dressed like witches and ghosts and all those kinds of things. And that's kind of how that practice came to be. Uh, This date also, October 31st, was the eve of the new year in both Celtic and Anglo-Saxon times and was the occasion for what, one of their, what they called fire festivals. They had an ancient fire festival. Huge bonfires were set on hilltops with the thought that they would frighten away evil spirits. So once again, this was kind of folded in to Halloween or All Hallows' Eve. Also, Halloween was thought to be the most favorable time for divinations and you know concerning marriage or luck or health or death. And it was the only day on which the help of the devil was invoked for such purposes. And so some are wondering, well, how did the devil get involved in all this? Well, there you go, Uh, along with demons and those sorts of things. There's also something called All Hollow Tide, which is a time of year where that's been dedicated to remembering the dead, including saints. And, you know, that's where this word hallows comes from, recognizing and remembering martyrs. Or all the faithful departed. So, Hallowtide is another term that, personally, Jeff, until I researched this a little more closely, didn't know existed, you know. But I guess Hallowtide covers three days October 31st, All Hallows Eve, or Halloween, like we talked about, November 1st, which is uh, for some called All Saints Day, and November 2nd, All Souls Day. So, kind of a three day celebration in some cultures of this. So anyhow, what are some considerations for us as Christians? You know, here in America, it may be like this around the world as well. Many do not attach, as we've talked about, any religious meaning to Halloween. And so nothing wrong with celebrating it as a secular holiday. Nothing wrong with, you know, kids going trick-or-treating. But some things that we should think about as Christians, like going to parties and participating in costume contests. I don't know about you, Jeff, but when we've had things like this at work, Often what comes with it is a lot of a modesty, you know, the, the naughty nurse or, you know, the gigolo or whatever, you know, people come up with. Uh, I, I would have to question that any Christian would want or should partake in something like that. How about, you know, promoting things like witchcraft and black magic and sorcery and evil spirits? You know, some might say, well, it's all done in good fun. Uh, can, can't argue that. I, I get that we we can take things too far, but I do think we should also ask ourselves, though, if we're dressing up as something cultish or, you know, once again, as blatantly against God's word, do we really want to participate in that? It's just questions we should ask. Right. So anyhow, ultimately, we don't want to attach any religious significance to the day because it's not something that we read about in the Bible. It's not something that was uh, endorsed or promoted by Christians in the first century, for instance, we see that this really came through other methods or other countries and and ultimately from men, right, Jeff? So anyhow, those are some thoughts on Halloween.
0: Right, well, and good ones too. And that's why I said kind of in the introduction that, you know, a lot of conscientious Christians, because of its association with various occultish or, or cultish symbology like you know demons and the devil and witches and black magic etc you know may choose you know not to be associated with it at all or yeah they may be involved in, in some of the milder forms if I could use that term but would probably draw their line draw the line so to speak with their kids you know dressing up as the devil <laughs> for instance right and, and yeah. you know reading the devil or pretending to be the devil or, or a witch or you know some ghoulish (laughs) creature from the night.
1: There's no shortage of choices these days, are there?
0: (laughs) That is true. And so, you know, we'd certainly have to respect, you know, those sorts of, uh, you know, personal choices and and conscience. Uh, and We certainly would never want to, you know, violate our conscience in, in anything, you know, even if perhaps it might be something that's okay to do.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so how about the next major holiday? Of course, I guess after Halloween, it's really Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, but, don't
0: forget that one. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know, you know, but, but the next one, especially when it comes to religious significance that some someplace on it, uh, is Christmas. So what, what are your right. thoughts about Christmas?
0: Well, you raised a good point that I hadn't thought too much about, and that is Thanksgiving. Because if you, at least here within the United States, it was a proclamation, of, if I remember correctly, by the president, that the nation should pause set aside this time to give thanks to god
1: yeah and you're right it was religious in that sense
0: in that sense which in our modern culture we would go oh yeah, separation of church and state yeah what's the president doing you know declaring a religious holiday but no that was you know entirely acceptable then you know in a nation that was you know built predominantly on judeo-christian ethics so yeah to your point it it, it kind of had its origin in religion But, you know, a general day of Thanksgiving in some ways has kind of been eclipsed by, well, it's got to be turned, eclipsed by uh, turkeys and mashed potatoes and don't forget the pumpkin pie, (laughs) for instance, and uh, I think watching football in the afternoon (laughs) while you sleep on the sofa. But again, one of those things, it's kind of a blend of you know, secular in religion, and religion and really not that much religion at all. It's, it's, it's you know, almost all secular. We have started within a religious context, but that's kind of been mostly eclipsed. So you mentioned Christmas. Yeah. So we got, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and of course Christmas, you know, right around the corner. And, you know, certainly, certainly a very common, very popular holy day, holiday, you know, across what I might call Christendom. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic, protestant eastern orthodox etc just about you know all you know religious groups under the canopy of christianity with a couple notable exceptions you know are are into christmas but even more so than that not just christians i mean even non-believers i mean you know even even pagans and agnostics and even atheists will quote unquote celebrate christmas Um, You know, as a very festive time of year, families being reunited, you know, the giving of gifts, et cetera. So it's, you know, exceedingly popular, but what may be shocking to our listeners, you know, from a religious perspective uh, in terms of uh, origins. So Christmas as an annual religious celebration of Jesus's birthday on December 25th does not exist in the Bible. Let me say that again. Christmas as the annual religious celebration of Jesus' birthday on December 25th does not exist in the Bible. Again, that may be very shocking. Now, let's pause here for a second. Certainly, certainly, we can read about the birth of Jesus, uh, most notably at the beginning of Luke's gospel. Okay. And yes, we can read about that angels, you know, proclaimed his birth to the shepherds in the fields. Okay, no no argument about that. But there is no biblical authorization to celebrate his birthday, you know, on an ongoing basis as some kind of a religious holy day. Now, Brian, certainly, there are commands in the Bible to for us to remember his sacrificial death on the cross via the uh, Lord's Supper each week, but his birth on some arbitrary date, Mm, not in the scriptures.
1: Yeah, and that's the key is the arbitrary date, right? Because we don't even know what day he was born, which probably tells you that God didn't feel as necessary to tell us.
0: You know, that's a really, that's that uh, is from an article on our website, at least according to the you know, Britannica. It's kind of hinted at in the word itself, Christmas. all well, it comes from Christ mass. You know, again, a Catholic celebration, Encyclopitanica says, during the fourth century, the celebration of Christ in churches, which I think is an a, interesting uh, tell, so to speak. So several hundred years after the event, this particular date, gradually adopted by churches. So now there's a clue for you. Now, admittedly, Brian, you know, some people may say, well, now, wait a minute, you, you guys are going too far. You know, what's, what's the harm? What's the harm in Christians getting together and celebrating Jesus' birth? What's the harm in reminding the world of the birth of their Savior? And, you know, Brian, again, we'd have to go back to, you know, the scriptures that we, we noted earlier when we first started today's podcast. We need to be very careful to worship God and give honor to his son in the ways they desire. I mean, if you really love them, you'll do what pleases them. And the only way that we can know what pleases them is based on what they've told us. So while we might not think that necessarily there is harm in doing this, and after all, it's not forbidden, um, if we really have faith and trust and confidence in God, and Jesus and say that we, you know, we love them. We'll want to do what they would want us to do to honor them. And what they said, you know, they want us to honor Jesus' death, you know, death, burial, resurrection, you know, Lord's supper, partaking of the Lord's supper on Sunday. He hasn't asked us to honor his birthday. And as we'll kind of see a little bit later on, you know, there are a number of religious holy days that kind of fit uh, this same pattern. In fact, Brian, you you also mentioned you know December twenty fifth, and I think one of the questions we've got in the last segment of today's podcast, you know, speaks to that uh, directly in terms of well, where this December twenty fifth come from? So I'll kind of reserve my comments for on that until we get to the question. You know, if if Christmas is like you know a really big deal with most Christians, well, not long after that is arguably the pinnacle, if you will, the holiest of holy days within, quote unquote Christendom, which would be Easter, which kind of is our, our next segment. But Brian, before we go, there are any uh, closing thoughts on Christmas before we move forward?
1: Yeah, just one thought and that is some would ask, what's the harm? Does't it honor Jesus? And you know, I, I find with both Christmas and Easter alike, once again, people's intentions are good. They, they want to remember our Lord, no doubt, you know, him dying on the cross and, and being resurrected are very important. Uh, but as you pointed out, it really boils down to what does God want us to focus on? Not us. And even though the intent is good, as we, we like to say from time to time, the end doesn't always justify the means.
0: Good point.
1: So when it comes to Easter, you know this was one of those holidays where also, as you've touched on Jeff, it's you know really centered around the Catholic Church. Perpetuating it to where it is today, at least. And so, this term or this word Easter uh, can also be known as Pascha uh, from the Greek and Latin, uh, or some even call it Resurrection Sunday. It's kind of started out as a festival, you know, certainly became a holiday commemorating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So, that one most people probably already know. Um, it's Judaistic as far as Easter itself and paganistic in its origin. There's a church historian by the name of Mosheim that says Easter began in the second century. So that's kind of the first recorded time that we have this, that this was celebrated. In 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea ruled that Easter was to be universally celebrated on the same Sunday. And some would say that, you know, Easter is derived from, I'm not if it's Ostara, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Jeff Ostara or Austria or (laughs) how you say that, but... Right. And the Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring. You kind of touched on earlier a little bit, Jeff, about fertility and Easter eggs and where they came from. And, and, you know, it's certainly interesting to look at how we have some of the traditions that came out of Easter, like an Easter egg hunt. How do we ever get to an Easter egg hunt and what that means? You know? Of course, these are all just parts of traditions. Once again, some interwoven religious beliefs into some of these celebrations. Some refer to the week before Easter as Holy Week. And, uh, you know, this would contain the days of Easter, uh, what's called Monday Thursday, which uh, commemorates the washing of the feet uh, when Jesus, you know, had his last supper with his apostles. That's not in the scriptures. That's something the Catholics invented, what they call Monday Thursday and during this holy week. And then uh, Good Friday is part of that week as well, which is, you know, the Friday before Easter. And here in the U.S., certainly in the Northeast, it's a huge holiday. Good Friday is a big holiday for a lot of people, frankly. Anyhow, Good Friday is meant to commemorate the crucifixion of Jesus, and of course, uh, Easter is the resurrection, and so that's why they call they wrap all this up into what they might call a Holy Week. So, Jeff, can you turn over to Acts chapter twelve? Because one other thing that seems to have added to this confusion about whether or not we should be celebrating Easter from a religious perspective centers around the King James version. If you could read the King James version of Acts 12, Jeff, uh, and, and the word Easter being used. Why don't we take a look at that? Acts 12, 1 through 4.
0: Okay, from the King James. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put them in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people.
1: Okay, so when you see that word Easter, that's the you know what the translators chose to to use instead of Passover. I mean, really, the word should be Passover. They just chose in the King James to you know specify Easter, which once again, to me, just adds to confusion because you could you know you have some that say, well, there you go, it's in the Bible, so it must be an authorized holiday. Well, it's not. And the word that should be there is should be Passover. That's really what it was. It's waiting until after the Passover. So anyhow, I just wanted to mention that because that also, because people see that word in the scriptures, they can feel like, well, there you go. There's our authorization. So as you touched on, Jeff, when it comes to Christmas, you know, we are to remember the Lord's death. We see in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 that Christians came together on the first day of the week for the express purpose of breaking bread, you know, remembering the Lord's death and then we also see in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26 where Jesus said that as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and so you know that's the other thing that happens when we remember his death so nowhere in scriptures does it tell us to remember the Lord's resurrection now naturally when we we remember the Lord's death on the first day of the week by partaking of what we often call the Lord's supper uh, there's there's often discussion, Jeff, right, about Jesus arose. It is significant, but the focus is on his death. And that's what we've been told to remember specifically, that he died. And through that death, we're reconciled to God. Through that death, our sins are forgiven. Through that death, we have the ability to go to heaven if we're faithful, uh, those kinds of things.
0: Well, and as we you know mentioned, when we were talking about Christmas and December 25th being somewhat of an arbitrary date. At least with Passover and, you know, the holiday we also know of as Easter, Easter Sunday, Passover is, you know, lunar based. And so, I mean, scholars have actually gone back and looked at the phases of the moon, et cetera, according to, you know, Jewish, you know, timekeeping and established... If Jesus was crucified in, I think, AD 31 versus AD 33 or AD 30 versus 33, there's a little bit of variance there. You know, you can actually, you know, take the phase of the moon and, and predict exactly the date, if you will, when Jesus was most likely, you know, crucified, resurrected, etc. But, you know, as I think you you know correctly pointed out, again, if we love God and we love Jesus, we want to do those things that honor him. Well, he's told us how he wants us to remember him. As you said, by the observance of the Lord's Supper, through the vine, unleavened bread, representing his blood, representing his body, that we remember that, you know, gave up his life for us, you know, on the cross, which brings to mind his crucifixion and all the terrible suffering. And as you say, kind of naturally can tie in, you know, the fact of his, you know, victorious resurrection. And we are supposed to remember this until he comes again. Which also ties in his second coming, et cetera, and all of that. As we can, you have mentioned, you know, Acts twenty verse seven, likewise First Corinthians. You know, we should be doing it every first day of the week, and not a you know one-time annual event.
1: You know, what we're not saying is that the resurrection isn't important. We know that it's important. It's just really a matter of should we be celebrating this in any way, religiously? And of course, the answer is no.
0: Now, what about you know the secular aspects? I mean, you know, you mentioned Easter egg hunts and you know gift baskets full of candy and, and those kinds of things. What about that?
1: Yeah, I think there's some similarities to Halloween there in that some people's consciences, based on what they know about, for instance, where you know, the eggs had their origin and this whole fertility, you know they they just feel uncomfortable with in any way celebrating it in a way that might make people think that they're celebrating it religiously but really if if it's just a secular observation like Halloween uh yeah it's okay to participate in things like e- easter egg hunts or give gift baskets you know once again if you're placing no religious significance on it as you you know talk to your children they understand hey this is just a in our case an american holiday and we're just going to go have some fun with this and get some candy and so forth uh, that's fine it's just one of those things where we see this blending again, right, Jeff, where, where somebody right. go to an Easter service Sunday morning and then come home and have an Easter egg hunt with the kids in the afternoon. So that's the kind of stuff we want to watch out for.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now we'll kind of transition here to a, a, another segment, perhaps. I mean, there's, I mean, we've talked about Halloween. we talked about Christmas. Well, a little bit of Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of other holidays out there all different kinds. And again, you know, we can finally look at these holidays and ask ourselves the question, is this something Christians should be, you know, actively participating in? You know, here's one, Ramadan. Now, our listeners may go, what? Never heard of it. Well, if you're in any way familiar with uh, or associated with the Islamic faith, it is a big deal. Uh, basically, Basically, it's, according to my research, it's the ninth month. It's the entire month. Of the islamic calendar and i forget uh, what time of the year it actually lands on but it is observed by muslims worldwide as a month of fasting from sunrise to sunset prayer reflection and community again according to one website i checked it's a commemoration of muhammad's first revelation so you know right off the get-go this is a pure religious holiday and you know on the one hand you know we should not make fun of Muslims, you know, we should not persecute Muslims, but we need to recognize Ramadan, while very sacred to them, is a purely religious holy day. And hence, not something that faithful Christians would, you know, want to participate in or encourage. Again, it's it's drawing that line between, you know, understanding they have a religious holiday. And again, you know, that certainly doesn't give us the freedom to persecute them. But neither is it something that we should, you know, endorse or, you know, so to speak, go along with. So far, you know, in addition to Easter, Brian, you mentioned Good Friday, Mahdi Thursday, Lent, Ash Wednesday. In fact, if you do a little bit of research online, the Roman Catholic Church, I found, has a religious calendar or a liturgical calendar with religious events occurring basically every month. And in some cases, almost every day of the month you know, memorializing or celebrating something religious. Again, sometimes it's within Jesus's life. Sometimes it's within his mother's life, Mary. Oftentimes it's venerating and honoring a person who has been declared by the Catholic church as a saint. But as we keep pointing out, you know, lots of church tradition, but nothing declared in the scriptures as religious holy day again something the catholic church has added as a tradition not to mention the fact that when the bible talks about a saint it's a saved person living or dead and not just some special venerated one and then of course we have all kinds of cultural celebrations like juneteenth and cinco de mayo and the fourth of july and kwanzaa etc that have you know very little if any religious significance so in those the only thing i just might mention be careful if the holiday is associated with practices that a Christian should avoid. For instance, as we noted earlier, you know, drinking on New Year's Eve as as an example. But you know, if there's no moral component and no religious component, you know, feel free to participate. Brian, any uh, comments before we move to our questions section?
1: Yeah, I think that's good advice, Jeff. Because you know what we're not saying is that you know because people drink on New Year's Eve, you should just never celebrate it. Uh, you can celebrate it, and just don't be be uh, partaking. Or to your point, probably just avoid it altogether if if you're going to be going to some event where people will be actively drinking. Anyhow, at the end of the day, we all have to look at that and, and make that decision on our own. All right, a
0: lot of different facets to you know. Keep in mind, you know, the drinking and the dancing and the partying and, and, the, and the whole environment. It's like, mm, no, thank you. No, I'll, I'll stay at home. I'll be in bed by 10 o'clock. <laughs> and listen, to all the farmers go off at the, at the stroke of midnight. All right. So that kind of takes us up to the segment that we always like to have in our podcast of submitted questions. And all of these today are in some way related to various uh, holidays. So Brian the the first one comes from Anon uh, and they write in is it bad to celebrate Christmas as Christians
1: Yeah it's a good question and and it's one that I've heard personally over the years because some Christians feel like you know that because the holiday has been made so religious and actually has such religious roots that they would just rather not have anything to do with it and that's perfectly fine that's a decision they should make uh, themselves, no doubt. And so I don't know if that was the reason he asked, you know, is it bad to celebrate Christmas as Christians? But certainly, as we've talked about, you know, Christians should not celebrate any man-made holidays from a religious perspective, you know, because the law of Christ in this case doesn't authorize religious observation of Christmas. Uh, As we've also talked about, you know, holidays such as Christmas and Easter were established well after the first century, you know, well after the law of Christ was given. Um, and they're just not mentioned in God's word. And because these and other holidays are considered secular to most people, in other words, not connected uh, with religions, what we mean by secular, uh, that it's okay for anyone to observe them as the holiday, as long as they do not celebrate them religiously. So that's kind of the advice here. You know, when someone does turn these holidays into a religious occasion or a religious ceremony, Uh, They are violating God's law because it's not authorized in his word. So we looked, for instance, earlier at Galatians chapter 4 and verse 10. Uh, We talked a little bit about Revelation 22, 18 and 19, you know, not adding to or taking away from God's word. Uh, And then there's also an article I'll point our listeners to on our website. What about Christmas? And I have a feeling, Jeff, I didn't check the section. That's probably under the section called Christmas, right?
0: (laughs) I believe so, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's another good one that just kind of talks about these different nuances. So any thoughts on that, Jeff? Uh, Nope. All right. Why don't we move on to Peter's question? Peter says, I know Christ's birth is celebrated at Christmas. However, my understanding is that he was born way before December 25th. Do you know the actual date of his birth or an approximate date?
0: And the quick answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, let's expand on that just a little bit. So the Bible certainly is silent on an exact date. In fact, I'm honestly not aware of even any secular writings from, you know, first century time that would pin down, uh, the date or even an approximate date. And, And, you know, here's an interesting thought, could the Holy Spirit have easily tied it to. The Jewish calendar, you know, third month of the Jewish year, tied it to, you know, Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, certainly could have, easily could have, but he didn't. And so from that, I guess I I, I can only draw the conclusion that the Holy Spirit didn't think it was significant enough to have it be recorded by the gospel writers. The only clue, and it's a an tantalizing little insight, Luke Chapter 2, verse 8 says this Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, those in our audience who are familiar with the quote unquote Christmas story will recognize that at this point, you know, Jesus has been born, he's been wrapped, put in a manger, etc., and angels are about to notify. These you know shepherds and pronounce you know glad tidings, good news, mankind, etc. You know, savior's been born. Okay. But you'll notice shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Which certainly suggests this is not the middle of winter. Hmm, interesting. Spring, summer, fall, maybe? Okay. Dead of winter probably not. Um, So here's something I pulled straight from Wikipedia. The actual date of Jesus' birth is unknown. But in the fourth century, again, fourth century, that's 400 years after his birth, Pope Julius I formalized that it should be celebrated on December 25th, around the same time as the Saturnalia creation. And our audience may go, "Whoa, What? What's that? Saturnalia? Never heard of that one before. Okay, did some more research. Saturnalia. So it was held in mid-December, an ancient Roman pagan festival honoring the agricultural god Saturn. Saturnalia celebrations, according to this source, are the source of many traditions we now associate with Christmas. Quote, the holiday was celebrated with a sacrifice at the Temple of Saturn in the Roman Forum, and a public banquet, followed by private gift-giving, continual partying, and a carnival atmosphere. Hmm, sounds like a lot of things we do at Christmas time. It marks, in general, the winter solstice, the longest night of the year. Um, And in some ways marks the rebirth of the sun, the S-U-N, with the beginning of longer days. And all that has kind of led scholars to, Suggest that December 25th was picked by the Catholic Church, Pope Julius I, in competition with Saturnalia. So, to in some ways make Christianity perhaps more attractive to pagans who could continue to celebrate that time of year with, you know, festive gift giving and parties, etc., and to celebrate the rebirth of the or birth of the sun, S O N. And again, One of those curious things that perhaps is a blending of of pagan and religious together. But, you know, a long answer to uh, the short question, do we know when Jesus was born? No, no. Most likely not in the wintertime.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I do find it interesting. I think all of us are always kind of interested in some of these facts. However, this when you think about just our Christian walk, this really in no way has any bearing on it, <laughs> you know? I mean, right. other than the fact that he was born and that God did send him to the earth in the form of a man, yeah, all that's significant, but just not the actual date itself, right?
0: Yeah, I, you know, like giving Jesus a birthday party? No, he, he hasn't asked us to give him a birthday party, <laughs> so <to speak.
1: laughs> right.
0: So that kind of leads us to, Brian, the, the next question from a media, and she writes, quote, I work at perfume shop, Every year at Easter, at work, they give us eggs, and our job is to color the eggs and give the eggs to the people for Easter. I think that it is wrong to celebrate Easter, and I don't want to color the eggs. Can you help me with what would Jesus do? I'm scared about this situation at work, but I want to serve my Lord the right way. Please give me an answer. Thank you, and God bless.
1: Yeah, I give Amelia credit for asking this question because certainly we want to make sure whatever we do is consistent with God's word. And as we've kind of been touching on all along, it really applies here as well, as far as, you know, Christians should not celebrate any man-made holidays from a religious perspective. So we've covered that. That's well-established, you know, Christmas, Easter, you know, being established well after the law of Christ and so on and so forth. And then, you know, we are not to turn that into a religious occasion. Or if other, you know, like the Catholic Church has, of course, we, we don't necessarily want to go along with that at all. We want to oppose it if it's not in the Bible. Uh, but she also touches on something, Jeff, that we haven't touched on a lot, but, but a principle we've talked a little bit about on this podcast, and that is violating your own conscience, right? So, you know, it would be important for her not to decorate these eggs if it violates her conscience, because she knows this is not a religious holiday. And so in this case, I would just encourage her to meet with her employer and just tell her, you know, that it bothers you, that you're not comfortable doing it and see if they'd let you do something else. And so, you know, I certainly commend her for for wanting to do what's right. And, but we just want to emphasize, don't, don't do something and violate your conscience because somebody else tells you that it's not wrong and it shouldn't bother your conscience, right? I mean, if it bothers you, then you could be sinning, in fact, would be sinning if you went ahead against your conscience and did something that you felt in your heart you should not be doing. All right. Good points. The last question comes from Lena, and I think it's she, uh, asks, Is it a sin to celebrate Christmas, which means decorations, food and family, and gifts for family, nothing else?
0: And so this is sort of like the, the secular aspect of Christmas. And you know, I would respond, generally speaking, no, no, it's, it's not a sin to, you know, celebrate with you know, these various, you know, secular um, traditions, if you will. In fact, as we mentioned earlier, you know, even non-believers, uh, agnostics, etc., you know, will celebrate Christmas in this year, or in this way, as a, as a festive time of the year. Now, there is an aspect here where I said, you know, generally speaking, no, wouldn't be a sin. There is an aspect that uh, I might mention, and in some ways, this is kind of based on my own personal background. Some Christians being you know, somewhat conscientious of Christmas and its association with you know, religious things and Jesus' birth, et cetera, certainly wouldn't celebrate it religiously, but they may choose not to celebrate it in a secular way. And let me kind of tell you where I'm coming from. So when I was growing up, my parents refused, refused to have a Christmas tree. Because, you know, they felt, you know, a Christmas tree, particularly with lights in your front window, was advertising to the world, you know, we're celebrating, quote unquote, Christmas. Um, And they didn't want to have, you know, anything to do with that. Now, admittedly, and of course, we're talking a number of decades ago with the passage of time you know, Christmas as a holiday has has in some ways kind of continued to become somewhat more secular, somewhat more commercialized, you know, at least here within the United States. And so I know some Christians that will have a Christmas tree, just like their next door neighbor, who's an agnostic, you know, has a Christmas tree, whatever. And it's kind of lost that sense of direct association. But again, like you mentioned with the Easter eggs, you know, it could come down to a conscience thing. You know, if, if I think putting a Christmas tree in my front window with lights sends a signal to my mem- my neighbors that I am religiously celebrating Christmas, then my conscience might be violated and I just might say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll forego the you know Christmas tree in the front room. Okay, we might have it in the family room, you know, <laughs> in the back part of the house, for instance. But, you know, your point about, uh, you know, respecting our own conscience and trying to have, uh, maintain a clear conscience, you know, certainly is, you know, spoken about, you know, in the scriptures. And so we need to be sensitive to that. Any thoughts on that one, Brian?
1: I do think it's interesting how we both kind of touched on this conscience element, because it's sometimes so easy for others to say, oh, what's the big deal? You you know, people aren't going to think that you're celebrating this religiously. Well, maybe they will. And not only that, but we don't want to be dismissive of something that bothers somebody's conscience and then cause them to stumble by convincing them to go against their conscience, right? So, anyways.
0: Well, and that's fair. And, you know, we really haven't said much about it, as you mentioned earlier, but like Acts 24, verse 16, Paul is speaking herein Do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man? Romans chapter 13 talks about uh, being subject to the governing authorities for uh, conscience' sake. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter eight, verse ten, talks about uh, you know the eating of meat sacrificed to idols, and the conscience of former idolaters uh, perhaps being you know offended. First Corinthians ten, likewise, talks about you know conscience sake, uh, et cetera. So uh, a number of different verses uh, that refer to the uh, need for us to kind of keep a clear conscience, a good conscience, uh, a pure conscience, and at least you know study subject and come to some conclusion and not just rush into it, even though it's violating our conscience.
1: That's it. That's it. Exactly. And we have some articles uh, related to what we've talked about today that we'll point you back to as well under our topics menu. If you go to the letter H, there's an article about Halloween, C for Christmas, E for Easter, A for authority. Ultimately, we have or should have authority for anything that we practice. So please take a look at that additional material and uh, feel free if you'd like to submit a question. If there's something that you have a question about that we haven't answered, uh, you'll see that option on our website as well.
0: Yeah, the only thing I might throw in there also under C, since we just barely touched on it, C for conscience. Uh, We do have a number of articles that touch on that subject as well. So lots of material. Certainly would encourage our listening audience to uh, take advantage of that material and always, you know, dig into the scriptures, see what the scriptures have to say. So pretty much, you know, until next time, thank you much today for uh, listening to the Bible Questions podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.